This is actually the fourth sermon uh, of uh, a four-part series called God With Us. My wife Stephanie and I and our our little girl Braylon, we now have two daughters, moved to the area in the uh, summer of 2010 and began meeting people and praying over this area and eventually came in 2011 and planted Christ Community Church. Um, After the Lord's provision and many of you who have stepped up along the way to help see this vision come to fruition, uh, we have been blessed to see many lives transformed by the power of the gospel and many lives continuing to be transformed by that. One of the greatest needs I see in our immediate area, five to seven mile radius around where we meet here, and one that I see actually expanding throughout our nation, is the issue of relational poverty. What I mean by that is that while in our immediate area there are some of those who are struggling with poverty issues, financial issues, one of the deepest, greatest, fundamental needs that I'm finding is that there's a profound sense of loneliness, even for those who are in the church. Martin Luther once said that sin is nothing more than unbelief in the innermost being. And one of the greatest unbeliefs I see manifesting itself, even within the church, is the fact that we do not believe that God is near to us and that God is with us. And so as we came into this Advent season, we began a series called God With Us. And on the first week, we talked about the humanity of Jesus, that the unique nature of Jesus fully God, fully man, is that he came to earth to dwell in time and space in history, to relate with humanity, to relate with God's chosen people, and to reach out to those who were far from God. That Jesus took on flesh, he dwelt among us, that he understood, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2 and in chapter 4, that Jesus was tempted in all ways, yet he was without sin. That through temptation, he is then able to understand our plight. He understands our struggle better than anyone else can because he is God. And so the second week, we talked about the divinity of Jesus. Fully God, fully man. So while he limited himself by becoming man, entering into time and space, he did not fully forfeit his rights as God. He emptied himself of that power, but he understood as he entered into this relationship with mankind He was able to resist sin. He was able to understand what was deep within mankind. In Proverbs 20, verse 5, it says, The ways of a man's heart is like deep waters, and a man of understanding would draw it out. And we see throughout the Gospels how Jesus interacted with various people from various backgrounds, understanding where they were and refusing to leave him or her there. And so we talked about the second week that God came to be with us. Fully God, fully powerful, yet fully man in the person of Jesus. And then last week we discussed that while all of us who are born will one day physically die, that Jesus uniquely was born to die. That was always part of the plan. That was always part of the maker's plan that his son Jesus would enter into time and space at the perfect time to live a life that you and I could never live fulfilling the laws and the prophecies, dying a death that we deserve on the cross and being dead and buried for three days. After three days, God, by his power, rose Jesus from the dead, defeating sin, death, and Satan so that all who believe and hope on the person of Jesus will be forgiven of their sin, accepted by God, and promised eternity forever and ever. But that Jesus was born to die so that in him we might really live. And so today as we wrap up this series, God with us, I hope that you'll see that the greatest gift of Christmas is that Jesus came to restore his people to a right relationship with God and a right relationship with each other. 
that the only hope of you having a whole and happy marriage, the only hope of you having a, a solid relationship with your children, the only hope of you having reconciliation with those that you're at odds with is in and through a relationship with Jesus Christ, that God has made a way for reconciliation through his son so that we might be restored completely and fully in a relationship with God. That's good news. It's not based upon our performance, our ability to earn rightness with God. It is based solely upon God's pleasure by sending his son Jesus to walk in obedience to his father to the point of death on a cross. Not leaving him dead, but raising him from the dead, defeating sin, death, and Satan. And so as we enter into this text, I want us to celebrate John chapter 1. And I find it interesting, if you've been around the church for a while, you know that many times we instruct brand new believers to read through the Gospel of John. And at times we instruct people who are not yet believers to start in the Gospel of John, yet you open up the Gospel of John in John chapter 1, the poetry is pretty dense. Yet it's beautiful, and so I want to enjoy that with you just briefly as we prepare our hearts for the birth of Jesus, and we continue to prepare our hearts for his second coming. John chapter 1, beginning in verse, I'm sorry, John chapter 1, beginning in verse 14. And the word became flesh and tabernacled, dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him, he's speaking of John the Baptist, and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. As I said when I started my sermon that loneliness is one of the root things that goes on in the hearts and lives of people in our area and in many places. I don't know about you, but I can, I've lost count of the number of times I've sat in a restaurant with a couple, perhaps on a date night, staring at their phones, or seeing families sit around the table looking at their phones, or, or students. I've seen teenagers hanging out at Starbucks all on their phones. We're more connected now than we've ever been able to be before, yet we're more lonely and isolated. The solution for that isn't more likes, isn't more platforms, isn't more connectivity, the solution for that is a gift of God through Jesus, God with us. And it says God became flesh. His son became flesh. And the word tabernacled may not make much sense for us. But to the Hebrew listener, the person that understood, they understood that the tabernacle, the temple, was the place where the presence of God dwelled. That now through Jesus, the presence of God was pleased to dwell in him and through him for God's glory and for your good. In fact, the person of Jesus reveals the glory of God. In him is revealed who God is. If you want to see God, look to Jesus. If you want to know love, if you want to know patience, if you want to know grace, if you want to know power, if you want to know faithfulness and forgiveness, look to Jesus. For that is where it is found. He is the only one who has authority and power to extend those true, full, perfect, unblemished experiences and realities in your life. The person of Jesus reveals who God is. Glory is basically all of who God is manifested to us. When it says, 
The Word became flesh, the Lagos, the spoken Word of God, His Son Jesus, under His command, fully God, fully man, became flesh, was born into time and space, into history. We don't worship a God that is far off, that has no history. We worship a God that has infiltrated history and changed it. We have a God who is mindful of history and will redeem it. We have a God who is faithful to His promises to the very end. The primary solution for your loneliness and isolation isn't merely finding people who are just like you, who agree with you. The primary solution for your loneliness, first and foremost, is to understand without God's instruction and without his intervention through his son Jesus, we can never be whole. We can never be made right. We will always feel alone. After all, the consequence of sin is alienation from God. It is Godless. It is empty of God's presence. And so God entered into a place that was Godless and brought the full presence of God. And so as we talk about Jesus, it's not just lip service to keep an old myth alive. It is historical, evidential, consequential, transformational truth of God with us. He has made promises that he has kept and that he will keep. As we celebrate the advent, the birth of Christ, we also do so with a hope in the future of his future return, his impending return. He will right wrongs and restore those who are broken and redeem to himself all who are his. The person of Jesus reveals the glory of God. Listen, I deal with loneliness. I'm not sitting here as an authority who has it all figured out. There are days I cry out to God, I study God's word, and I don't feel God. I don't feel or experience the power. But here's the good news. Jesus didn't come to be your primary feeling. Jesus came to deliver you and to be your king. Jesus isn't something to feel. He is someone to know. Perhaps in those moments of loneliness or isolation, that's when he's drawing you to know him more, to trust him more, to increase your faith. God is with us. God has not left us. When you read the news and you see all the bad news on the news, understand that's playing out the way that God said it would. After all, in Romans chapter 8, it says, the mindset upon the flesh is hostile towards God. So when our culture is hostile towards God, we must not fret. We must declare the goodness of our God and the gift of God because God is with us. The second truth we see in this passage is that Jesus fulfills the law and liberates us from our failure to faithfully follow it. What's interesting to me is that Christmas has become, the way that our culture celebrates it, more of a celebration of our ability to be good rather than a redemptive, eternal, consequential rescue from our inability to be good. The story of Christmas exposes our profound need of rescue, yet the way we celebrate it today is more merit-based, performance-based. If you behave yourself, you get good things. And if you're in the upper middle class or upper class, even if you don't behave yourself, you still get good things. But the fulfillment of Jesus as Jesus came in obedience to the Father For it says in verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. But the problem is, is we like to make Christmas about 
the show-off of our goodness. My family and I took a break this year from sending out Christmas cards. So if you didn't get one, we're not mad at you. Just want you to know that. Well, if we are mad at you, you didn't get one anyways. But we're not mad at you. But we wanted to take a year off from having to put our best foot forward and polish everything up and make everything pretty. And we're not dogging people who do it. We'll probably do one again next year. But we wanted to just receive from God his eternal presence through his son Jesus. We wanted to simplify and slow down. We wanted to celebrate his gift to us. We didn't want to try to put our best foot forward this year, get our makeup done. I don't get mine done. My wife actually doesn't either, although it's been recommended she do so. Not like because she's different, but like photographers are like, well, here's our makeup artist we recommend. Huh? Right? It's, it's about appearances, isn't it? And the more that we are encouraged to be fake, the more alone we get. The more we hide behind our achievements, behind our possessions, behind our success, the more we're amplifying our glory and minimizing God's. I had a friend recently tell me that we must become invisible so that God's power and glory might be shown. Wouldn't that be a gift to us? Wouldn't the liberation from the mirror and from approval of others be consequential? And the challenge is, I think, that we aspire so much to present our best foot and to appear so good that we miss the gift of Christmas altogether. Jesus fulfills the law and liberates us from our failure to faithfully follow it. What is the law of God? Well, let's just go through the Ten Commandments. Don't worry, I won't preach the whole thing now. That's coming next year. Have no other gods before me. Nothing that you love, you worship, you adore more than God. Have you ever always, 100%, eternally followed that? No, then you're guilty. Worship no graven images. Are you more secure with your gun on your back than you are with your king on your throne? then you're guilty. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. Guilty. Remember the Sabbath. Big guilt. Honor your father and your mother. Teenagers, I know you. Guilty. Do not murder. And Jesus says, if you looked at someone with anger, you have committed murder. You're guilty. Do not commit adultery. If you look at someone with lust in your eyes, you have committed adultery. You're guilty. Do not steal. Guilty. Do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Lie. Gossip. Guilty. Do not covet. Guilty. It's not that I think we celebrate Christmas too much. I think we celebrate it too little. The liberator, the king, the rescuer, the one that rights wrongs, the one that forgives sin, the one that rescues us from isolation and loneliness, draws us into community with the triune God and in community with each other. The beauty of the gospel of Jesus, the gift of Jesus, is that we don't have to come polished and perfect. We come as we are, and he makes us whole. That's the gift of Christmas. That's the gift of Jesus. And lastly, Jesus is our only hope to know, see, and enjoy a relationship with God and to enjoy life-giving relationships with each other. I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm glad that we had to put out chairs. I'm glad that you joined us. Going to church doesn't make you right with God any more than going to McDonald's makes you an Egg McMuffin. You might look like one if you eat too many. What we hope for you to encounter in here is a meaningful opportunity to connect with the living God and connect with others who are on the same journey. 
Not that you're all well, but a hospital for sinners that can be made whole by the great physician. We want you to enjoy and know that he is your only hope of joy. He is your only hope out of isolation. He is your only hope to weather the storm of depression or financial struggles or through your fear or through your success. Success without the anchor of Christ is just another road to brokenness. The greatest gift of God that he's ever given is himself to us, to rescue us, to do what we could not do, to restore relationships with God, and to restore relationships with each other. There's so many couples that I counsel who are married who feel so alone. There's so many people I know that are surrounded by a lot of people but feel so isolated. The problem is, is when we look to each other to meet those needs, it's like, as my redneck pastor friend says, it's like two ticks without a dog. We were never made to find life sustenance off of each other. But because of Christ, we're then connected to the life giver and able to experience life together in a new, life-giving, transformational, ongoing, everlasting way. And it's not that we've achieved that. It's not that we have it figured out here at Christ Community Church or that we have a corner of the market. There's a lot of ways that many of us are still alone and feeling disconnected, and I want you to know that we are for you and we are with you and we want you to feel restored, but the greatest thing that we can give to you is not a better environment that meets your felt needs. What we can give for you is a living God of eternity who has made himself flesh, dwelt among us, he tabernacled to show that God is with us, living and dying and rising again to restore us, to redeem us, to relate with us, so that we can begin relating rightly with each other. That is what we need. The question is, is that what we want? And so as we celebrate this Christmas, as we look at the coming of our Christ Jesus, as we look for his return, as we celebrate the advent of this perfect child born to die, let us do so with hope. So as you carve into your ham, or some of you do steak, or some of you are lazy and do like, Hebrew hot dogs, Hebrew national, whatever your celebration is, let us do so with a thankful heart, knowing that on our best day and on our worst day, we need deliverance, and God has given that gift through his son Jesus. That is good news. That is the fact that God is with us. And as we live and as we seek to know him more, may we do so understanding that even if we are feeling lonely or isolated today, that's not where the story ends. That's the place where Jesus invites you to more of him. And the good news is he is eternal and we are finite and there's always more of God to have. Praise God that God is with us. The greatest gift of Christmas is that Jesus came to restore his people to a right relationship with God and with each other. If you are here today banking on your good behavior or being a good person to make yourself right with God, you've got it all wrong. The good news is, is he didn't come to rescue those who think they are right. He came to Rescue those who know that they fall short. And so before trying to get yourself right and make promises you're not going to keep going into the new year, I just encourage you to turn to Christ, to trust in Jesus, to hope in him. My guess is there's plenty of you here who have at one season of your life known and enjoyed and trusted Christ, but perhaps you're in a season of isolation or feeling far. I want to just invite you that this gift of Christmas, this gift of God with us is for you as well. Come near. The greatest gift of Christmas is that Jesus came to restore his people to a right relationship with God and a right relationship with each other. Praise be to God.
Let's pray.